This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. I'd like to start this morning by asking you a question, and in fact, I'm going to get you to ask the same question to the person sitting beside you. What do you think God thinks about children? There we are. There's a question. What do you think that God thinks about children? Let Ask the person beside you. If their answer is fantastic, I'm going to get you to shout it out and call it your own. Um, but if, it's, if your answer is better, then I'll just get you to shout out this. What, what does God think about children? Okay. Let's see how we went. Anyone brave enough to give an answer that they talked about or the person beside them talked about? Yes. They're a blessing, yes? Yes? Psalm talks about them, us having a quiver full of kids and that being a blessing from God. They're teachable, true, yes? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about um, when you walk down the road, teach, teach your children. What else do we know about kids that the Bible tells us? They are valuable to God, very true. In fact, they've known by him from even before they were born, aren't they? Um, Psalm 139 tells us that. Um, And we know Jesus' death on the cross was for the whole world, not just for adults who acknowledge him, but for children as well. Anything else? Yes. We are to be like them. What's your name? Zoe, you have been looking at my sermon notes from this morning. We are to be like them. In fact, we are, we're, we're going to focus on two things this morning. So if you're one of those people who gets to the end of a sermon, uh, you walk out the door on a Sunday, somebody asks you that embarrassing question, what was the guy that was talking about in church talking about today? And you go, what was that? Um, I'm going to make it very easy for you this morning. So here are the two things that you need to remember and only two things that you need to remember from the sermon this morning. Here we are, that we should accept Jesus the way that children do, and we should accept children the way that Jesus does. We should accept Jesus the way that children do, and we should accept children the way that Jesus does. And we're going to look this morning at two Bible passages, both from the Gospel of Mark. In fact, gospel, uh, Mark chapter 9 and Mark chapter 10. So if, yes, if you have your Bibles or a device with your Bible on it, please grab those out. Um, we're actually going to go in reverse order this morning. We're going to go Mark chapter 10 and then we're going to go Mark chapter 9. So just to hold that thought. But before we dig into the, those two passages in, in Mark, it might not surprise you to know that Jesus' views of children were actually quite out of step with the prevailing societal thinking at the time. Uh, in fact, Jesus, many of Jesus' views were out of step with societal thinking at the time. And we start to get an understanding of what people thought about kids by what it was written, what we have uh, from that time that gives us hints. So let, let me give you an example. This is a letter that was written by a Roman soldier to 
Uh, he says his sister, but we know from the context that it's actually his wife. Now, his name is Hilarion, and Hilarion is a, a Roman soldier serving in, in Greece, and he writes this wonderful, warm letter home to his wife, and in that, he tells her a number of things. So let, let me read it for you. Um, uh, many greetings uh, to my respected Beerus, who's a friend and a Polarian. Um, know that we are still at this moment in Alexandria. Don't be anxious, though, if all of them return and I stay. I ask and urge you, look after the child... Um, and at as soon as I receive my pay, I will send it up to you. If by chance you give birth, dot, dot, dot. So what's going on here? This, this Roman soldier is writing home to his wife. Um, and he's saying, I, I may be delayed, but when I come, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you. And uh, we obviously work out that his wife is pregnant. She's about to give birth. And it might happen before he gets back. Up until this point, it's a lovely, warm letter written from a Roman soldier to his wife. Then it takes a turn. If by chance it is male, let it live. If it is female, get rid of it. How horrible is that? To hear that disregard for a child based on that child's gender. We think, oh, I'm so glad we've come so much further than that today. But actually, in reality, we have not. Uh, the, the area that you partner with churches in, in northern Thailand, face exactly this same circumstance. Not that a female, a young girl, would be put to death, but in fact that she is so devalued that her only worth, as seen by, by many in, in that region, is for her to marry and to run a household. And we see a terrible circumstance in northern Thailand where um, children are kidnapped and there's a, um, a tradition that a kidnapped child, then if they are kidnapped for a period of five days, they become the wife of the kidnapper and that that's accepted. And I was reading this just this week the story of a 13-year-old girl who found herself in those circumstances. Her best friend is actually part of the Compassion Program and her whole circumstance is completely different to that because her family's um, whole view on child marriage and on um, and kidnapped marriage has been completely transformed by the teaching of God through his word and, and that faithfully taught um, through their local church and in their compassion program to the point where it has transformed the whole family so that they've all come to faith 
and that they all know him and that whole tradition has died out in their family, which has wonderful benefits into the future. And their daughter continues in school because of that. So there's a, there's, a, there's a hard way to start this sermon, but it's a truth and a reality of the, the world that we live in and the circumstances that we live in. But we actually know through God's word that it's not how God views children. What I'd like you to do is to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 15. I'm going to read, them for, read that for you, uh, and it'll also be up on the screen. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone... Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Here we see Jesus actually saying children have value and they have worth. And in fact, they have so much worth that we are to be like them. Now you think about, well, what, what, is, what are these children like? What are these children like that, that were coming to Jesus? They, they were, you can imagine the scene, can't you? Jesus is there teaching, and, um, and the parents are pushing their kids forward um, so that the teacher will just lay his hands on them and bless them. And the disciples rebuke those parents. Jesus is way too important for this. He's he's more important than small children. Don't waste his time with small children. But Jesus rebukes them and says, no, no. In fact, the way that these children come to me is how you should come to me. And we think about that. What is a child like? When they come, they come, they come in humility. They come in dependence. They come in faith and trust that that person wants good for them and, gives, and, and, will, and will give good to them. They're vulnerable. And that's how they come to him. And Jesus says, that's how I want you to come to me. And he's speaking not, of course, just to the disciples, not just to the people around, but he's speaking to all of us. Those children didn't come to Jesus going, Jesus, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I've achieved. Of course you should acknowledge me. They didn't come to him like that at all. And, and that's Jesus' reminder to us that that's what we are to be like. We are to have a faith in him that is childlike. Not childish, but childlike. Not childish in that we'll just believe anything and trust anyone, but childlike in that we see and acknowledge that he wants good for us. 
Because for those children, at their most vulnerable point, they come faithfully trusting him. And that was the circumstance for us, at our most vulnerable point. At the time where we are dead in our sin, we come to him for salvation. We come to him for redemption. We come to him in humility, in trust. And he gives us good things. He gives us not only a promise, but also a status. A promise of eternal life and a status of being not just a child that comes to him, but his children, his children, heirs to his throne, heirs to all he has. He brings to us a hope that's a living hope that won't perish or spoil or fade and is kept for us into eternity. So he calls us to come to him as children. I had the privilege a number of years ago of travelling to, not to Thailand, but to the Philippines. And I met this young lady. Uh, Her name is Hannah. Uh, And this is four years ago, because remember we used to do overseas travel? Do you remember that? We used to do overseas travel? Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure we'll come back to that at some point. Um, And uh, as I met Hannah, I had the privilege of hearing her story. Her story was hard to hear. It was very hard to hear. She was telling me that when she was three years old, her mum contracted a disease that in Australia we would just uh, go to the chemist and get some medicine for. Um, But because they were poor, she had no access to that. And tragically, her mum passed away as a result of that disease. And so Hannah, at three years old, finds herself without a mum. She never knew her dad. He was never on the scene. So she's an orphan. Um, She goes to live with her aunt, uh, her mum's sister, whose whose own circumstances were tragic and terrible um, and was was living in the depths of poverty herself. Uh, And the local church... Who lived just down the road? Who was just down the road from where Hannah's aunt lived? Heard about the circumstances of Hannah, and went to visit the aunt and said, "We have this program at our local church. Um, if Hannah comes along, uh, she'll hear that there is a God who loves her. She will be um, cared for." We'll we'll bring meals to Hannah and to you. We'll take Hannah to the doctor. We'll make sure that she has health checks. We'll give you all the funds that you need to ensure that Hannah gets to go to school. And so we, as we talked and listened to Hannah, we heard a story of transformation from a little girl who was 
just absolutely broken. Uh, who, who, in her own words, she said, if I died, no one would care. Uh, to a story that's a very different one. You can see what she says here. As people loved me and cared for me, I learnt that God's love for me was actually greater than my love for myself. That transformation from that little girl who was completely broken to this young lady, and you can see Hannah's wearing a blue T-shirt in this picture, um, and the guy behind her is wearing the same blue T-shirt. Um, Hannah is now on the staff um, of the church that reached out to her. Um, she's having the same impact both physically and spiritually for little girls exactly in the same circumstance that she was. That's a story of hope. That's a story of transformation. That's the story of small children coming to Jesus and not being disregarded. Coming to him in trust and having that trust justified. So Jesus calls us to come to him as a small child. And as we, we talk to kids who are living in poverty, as we talk to their parents, we understand the level of trust that is needed and unexpected from many of these kids and many of their families. Um, we, we interviewed some parents a little while ago and we asked them, what is the hardest thing about living in poverty? What, what is it? We, and we expected certain answers. We expected them to say, we don't have food or we don't have any money. But actually the answers that they gave to us surprised us. They said, we're always dependent. We don't feel involved in our community. We're never consulted. Our opinion is never asked for. We're, we're basically invisible. We have nothing to eat. We have nothing to wear. And we have nothing to sell. We have no right to speak. Um, we'll never win a court case. We don't have justice because we can't afford even representation. We don't make decisions. And we don't even act on our own initiative. We don't have that luxury or that choice. And we asked the kids before, what's the difference between the life of a child living in, 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 in Thailand compared to living in Australia? Here's the adult's version of that. Can you imagine being in the circumstance where you said, I have no right to speak out. I'll never have justice. I'll never have it because I can't afford it. I don't have the luxury of making decisions because my life, it's not about making decisions about what I'm going to do with my money or decisions about what I'm going to do with my time or decisions about what I'm going to do um, with the extra that I have because I don't have those things. I'm working every day to be able to provide enough food on the table so that my family can eat tonight. And if I don't work today, 
my family doesn't eat tonight. That's what life in poverty is like. Wonderfully, as a church, and you are, you are like many, many other churches here on the coast and, and throughout the whole of New South Wales, you are committed to those circumstances changing for kids and changing for their families. And I thank you for that. And I, I want to encourage you in that. Please keep going. Please, if you can, do more. Because it makes an incredible difference. You heard Hannah's story. You heard the story of the, the girls in Thailand whose parents changed their whole circumstances, their way of thinking about child marriage because of local churches. That's justice. That's God's just, biblical justice lived out. Let's, uh, let's, let's go back into the Gospel of Mark. This time to Mark chapter 9. Uh, it's another incident of Jesus and children. So Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 30. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, because on the way they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and he said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last, the servant of all. And he took a small child who he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever, become, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome the one, just me, but the one who sent me. It's very easy for us to be quite judgmental about the disciples at this point. Just before all of this has happened, they've seen Jesus transfigured in all his glory. They've seen him um, cast a uh, um, an evil spirit out of a child and they've heard him declare that the son of man will die and then be raised back to life for the salvation of the world and what is their response as they've walked down the road having seen and heard all of that they're having an argument and their argument is which one of us is greatest now, it might have been the three disciples that saw Jesus transfigured. That might have been what prompted the argument. But it was a shameful argument, and they knew that because when Jesus asked them about it, they were silent. And so Jesus turns their thinking on their head. 
And he takes a small child and he says, if you want to be great, be the last of all. Look after one of these little ones. Now, he's not just using a child as like an object lesson. He's actually teaching a truth to the disciples about what greatness looks like in God's kingdom. And he says, look after one of these little ones. That's what I've done for you. You think about that. What does a child give back to them if they care for that child? Or what does a child give back to us if we care and sponsor a child somewhere else in the world? What do we gain from that in, in, in earthly terms? Absolutely nothing. In fact, it costs us something. We gain nothing in worldly terms from caring for a child living in poverty in Thailand. The world will not thank you for it. In fact, they might, they might scoff. They might, might think it's a ridiculous notion. In worldly terms, it means nothing to put yourself in that place. But we're concerned for an audience of one, not an audience of five billion. In God's eyes, it's everything because we're making ourselves the least and caring for the least of these. We're not, making, we're not puffing ourselves up and making ourselves great and important and independent, but we're caring about the most vulnerable, the ones in greatest need. Now, there are many signs of what it means to be kingdom-minded. We, uh, we, we love the things that God loves. We love his word. We love to tell people about his word. Um, we have a great desire to see people come into his kingdom. All of these things show that we are kingdom-minded. But what Jesus is saying here is another sign that you are kingdom-minded is how you go about your care and how you care for the most vulnerable in our community, in our society. And children we know are the most vulnerable and children living in poverty are the most vulnerable of the most vulnerable. So here we've seen two passages in, in Mark's gospel. Um, one where Jesus calls us to, be, to come to him as a child, to have a childlike faith, and one where he says, children are so important to me that actually for you to be great in the kingdom of God, you need to be caring for the least of these. So as we, we come back to where we started, and that is that we need to accept Jesus the way that children do, in humility, um, and we need to accept children the way that Jesus does, that in their vulnerability, we don't ignore them, because that's not justice, that's not biblical justice. In fact, it's disobedience. The wonderful outcome of all of this is that kids 
know that they have a God who loves them. They know that they have a God who cares for them. Uh, Their lives are transformed, not just physically, but spiritually. And they get to know that they have a saviour and a friend that they can speak to, that they can pray to, and that he will listen. And so I want to finish showing you exactly that. We, we pray a lot in churches all around the world. There are 2.2 million children that are part of compassion programs in local churches around the world. 8,500 churches in 25 countries. And one of the things that they all have in common all around the world is they get to pray and pray earnestly. And so we're going to finish... I'm going to show you a video, um, and please be thankful to God as you see these kids reaching out to him in prayer. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.